Welcome to the Closeness Podcast. The following is based on both personal experiences, opinions, and wisdom, as well as experiences that men and women have contributed to us. Generalizations are sometimes made for the sake of brevity, but are never meant to exclude or offend. Now, are you ready to come closer? Let's get started. Welcome back. My name is Tari, and this is part two of what is a sexy and sexually attractive diet. You've been exploring mentally, thinking about, ruminating on whether a change like this is for you or not. Certainly, some things are going to come up, and that's what we're going to tackle right now. For example, no one here wants to suddenly develop a food allergy or a sensitivity or intolerance to food that they've already been eating and that they've loved eating their whole life. It's important for me to preemptively tell you about this possibility so that when you experience it, you're mentally prepared for it. If you've been eating something without an issue and then you stop eating it for a few months and when you reintroduce it, your body has a bad reaction to it, what does that tell you instinctively? Do you think that that's something that your body really, really wants? Now, some things you get used to, like cigarettes, drugs, alcohol. Most people can remember the first time they tasted beer, they probably spit it out. I know I did. It tasted like, well, I won't mention what it tasted like to me, but actually not much has changed since then. But most people have that initial experience. So some people might say, well, my body is betraying me suddenly. Your body's not betraying you. It's finally showing you what it needs. You've stopped bogging it down. You've stopped oppressing it with all of this barrage of crap. And it can finally speak clearly to you. The reason why we have no idea what's good for us, what's bad for us, why we're all running around reading the research and doing the investigations and trying to read the books that help is because we've lost touch with our internal guidance system that tells us when there's something wrong and when it hurts. Just like when you put your hand on something hot and you get an instant notification when it burns, likewise with food, you get a relatively quick feeling, sensation, or knowing in your body, though it is often subtle, to know that what you're eating isn't working. Because the thing with food is, you know, our bodies would have perished a long time ago if every time we ate something that's not nutritious, we just got really sick and died. We don't always get an immediate, obvious, don't you dare eat this result. Maybe with some poisonous foods or foods that we're really intolerant to, but sometimes it's just an annoyance or inflammation. And it's always in our benefit to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Wouldn't you like to know exactly how your body is inclined to eat, how it thrives, what really makes it soar? Wouldn't you like to feel more vibrant and alive? And this is again how it ties into closeness. You'd like to be on this earth for a while, right? You'd like to share your time and your freedom with those around you who you love and you'd like to feel good while you do it. You want to feel confident in the way your body looks and how you carry yourself. You'd like to not have skin issues or strange breakouts, bags under your eyes, discoloration in your skin. All of these things that maybe you've been dealing with for so many years that no one has a real answer to and you're sort of taking something to keep it under control like a cream or an ointment or a, a pill of some sort. How nice would it be if you discovered that once you stopped eating something that you didn't even realize was bad for you, for you, your personal constitution, that you had this type of awakening or clearing? And let's be real. Wouldn't we all like to be naked in front of our partner and feel fantastic about the way we look from head to toe? Wouldn't we like to feel that we're proud of our bodies and what we put on the inside and out? To me, I think there's nothing better than that when it comes to intimacy because comfort in yourself 
comfort with your own body is absolutely mandatory to have great intimacy with a partner. So I'm not going to tell you what to do, what your body needs, and exactly what ingredients you should eliminate. How could I? I simply can't, not just from a legal place, but also because, as discussed earlier, there's just no way of knowing what your body type is and what works for it. Only some foods make an immediate difference in your body, such as bloating or feeling gassy right away. But you might discover later on that evening or the next morning that you feel completely exhausted or wiped out. This is where your own personal exploration really begins and why it's useful to only be eating a handful of things on a daily basis because then you have to ask yourself, hmm, was it because it's deep fried and I'm having a reaction to the oil and the denatured food? Was it the gluten and I'm somehow sensitive to wheat? Was it the fact that I'm eating, well, antibiotic-filled chicken? Are cruciferous vegetables difficult to digest for you? Do you have an issue with nightshades and capiscum and chili pepper? You know, and what's interesting, all of the things that I didn't like to begin with, it turned out that they weren't really good for me anyway. So you may find that you already have a head start based on your own preferences and you also may discover that you've got a body-mind conflict, that mentally you think you should be eating your broccoli, but you've never really liked it, which means your body may not love it either. Here's a good time to jump in and see again if there's any alarms going off in your mind. If you've got these catchphrases and expressions that are popping off in your head, preventing you from moving forward with something like this. For example, a lot of us say, well, I eat healthy. What does that mean exactly? Health wellness and a good state of mind are not like a college degree where once you obtain it you forevermore have it under your belt it is a changing fluctuating thing and i want to continuously remind you throughout these episodes that what works for you today is not necessarily what you needed yesterday or what you're going to need tomorrow you know i remember traveling through south america and europe and hearing people say, ah, pues yo como muy limpio. La comida que yo como está muy limpia. That was their way of saying, I eat so clean. They always want to emphasize this word clean as if everyone should know what that means. What does the word clean really tell you? Absolutely nothing. It gives you absolutely no indicator about what exactly you should be putting in your mouth other than to demonstrate that this person saying it seems to have a better idea about it than you and you're just kind of out of luck because they eat so clean. So we're going to avoid talk like that and be as specific as we can on these podcasts. But it's my recommendation to you that you be as specific and honest and vulnerable with yourself as well. Don't get lost in the trap of, I'm a good girl. I'm a good guy. I eat clean. I have a healthy diet. Really take some time to explore what that means for you. I remember when I used to eat what I thought was a quote-unquote healthy diet, I'd finish a meal, and I was almost passing out within a couple hours of eating it, and I couldn't understand it. So what did I personally do to shift all of that in my body? I basically eliminated the most known allergens to man from my diet, as well as no caffeine, no coffee, no alcohol, no drugs. And then, as I may have mentioned earlier, I started with gluten and then got rid of the other four, which are corn, soy, sugar, dairy. In the beginning, it was all forms of each ingredient. So not just cow's milk or milk, for example, but all forms of dairy. And not just cane sugar, though that does seem to have the most deleterious effect on the body, but all forms of sugar and sweeteners, except for some of the most gentle ones known. And in the beginning, not even those. I began to introduce xylitol, honey, or maple syrup later on, 
but in the beginning, anything that had added sugar to it, I got rid of. Most people love eggs. They go crazy for eggs. It's incredible how much people love to eat unborn chickens. I have never really cared much for them, and as it turned out, they don't really serve me. Then you have to be careful with what you read on the internet or in magazines and where you're getting your scientific research from. So for example, when you're eliminating gluten, you might think, well, I'm not eating pasta and cookies and that sort of thing. I'll just have some oats or some gluten-free oats. But you find, and even with ingredients like corn as well, even if you're trying to get rid of genetically modified grains, there's still some cross-contamination or your body will still register having the same effect as if you had gluten to begin with. So it's nice in the beginning if you're going to do wheat you try doing that with almost all grains or all grains if you can. A lot of the ancient grains tend to be really soft or good for people. I've always enjoyed teff, which is Ethiopian. A lot of people love quinoa. I'm not particularly a fan. But if you want to do this right, it takes, as usual, a lot of exploring. Okay, so how do you maintain your integrity with your diet when everywhere you go, it's hard to find great food? When you travel all over the world, what do you see at every single duty-free store? Endless amounts of sugar. Endless amounts of petroleum-based chemical fragrances. Endless amounts of alcohol, cigarettes, and of course, ground up corn, wheat, and animal of some sort. It is in fact, everywhere you go, everywhere you look, at every convenience store, every airport, food store, coffee shop, and what have you, we are trying to be fed at every turn sugar, coffee, addictive substances, alcohol, and then processed food. I know that if it was 500 years ago and you walked outside into your beautiful garden, milked your cow for fresh milk and cheese, picked fresh fruits and vegetables from the ground, slaughtered your own animals if you had them or you ate animals, life would be a lot easier. None of the things that come up like eating fresh corn on the cob or fermented tofu or the horrific practices that get us our meat and dairy these days, none of that was ever an issue. But it's what we've done with our grains, animals, in fact, practically the entire food system that makes most things difficult for our bodies to digest or difficult for them to really thrive off of. It's not that I'm telling you to be gluten-free or don't eat meat or be a vegan. You have to figure out what's best for yourself in light of very often conflicting evidence. So let's say you've gone through this process, you've followed an elimination diet or protocol, and it's been a few months. Now your body is used to healthy, nourishing foods. Now comes the very exciting point where you get to reintroduce food into your lifestyle, into your eating habits, and learn item by item what works best. When I did this for myself, my energy levels went through the roof. I was more awake, more alert, and also, my body spoke to me immediately about what it liked and what it didn't like. I understand that you might feel in your life before even going through something like this that you have no trouble eating what you're eating. But you're not going to know the truth of what your body needs until you haven't had it for a while, like three to four months, and then reintroduced it. To me, it's such an obvious choice in my life to want to know how my own body thrives. Yes, it's great to make ethical or moral choices and decisions, such as becoming a vegan for animal rights, vegetarianism, or cutting down the amount of meat you're eating, or not supporting the sugar or the dairy or whatever other industry isn't living up to our standards, which is most of them, frankly. But at the same time, if your body prefers something or responds better to something, I mean, my gosh, wouldn't you rather give it what it needs? Around this point, I want to remind you that we're not trying to be so vigilant and obsessed with everything we eat 
that it makes ourselves and those around us miserable. It's important to be vigilant, but it's very easy to get to the place where you're hyper-concerned and hyper-aware about everything that you're putting into your body, which is making you more unhappy than even eating it to begin with. You may need to do this for the first few months when you're being vigilant about eliminating foods from your diet, but once you level out, have some levity on the subject. Okay, good. So let's switch gears for a minute and talk about how you sustain a healthy diet throughout the day with all of the different places that we stop, all of the errands that we have while you're coming to and from work or heading to the gym. One of the most useful things that I can recommend is to keep food that is healthy for your body and keeps without needing to be refrigerated or kept under a certain temperature in your car or with you at all times. Especially when I was into training and training heavily, I would always keep an open bag of snacks, nuts, seeds, nut butters, tasty treats, plantain chips, or some fresh fruits and vegetables if it wasn't too hot out, sometimes dried fruit with no sugar added, some uniquely healthy protein bars, even some powders and mixes or protein powders that work for you that maybe are pea-based or hemp-based or whatever works great. Something so that you're not making choices that don't serve you. Something that lets you feel like you're always nourished no matter what time of day it is. Even if you think you're going out to dinner and you're out and about, so you keep starving yourself for hours and hours, it's just not healthy. It's nice to have something that can satisfy you temporarily, like incredible macadamia nuts. And then when you're actually going out shopping for your food, I find that there's an enormous difference from something you buy at a convenience store. Say, if you've ever been on a road trip, there's literally nothing there that can make your body thrive at all. And so it's important to have those things with you along the way. It's a little tricky. When you go into a salad bar, everything there is open and on display. Even that food that's been sitting there for a really long time won't nourish you, I find, as well as seeking out the freshest food you can or can afford. That means even if you're having canned food, processed packaged food, things that come in cellophane wrappers, there's just a funny taste to it. You'll start to notice that it just tastes off. It's a little too acidic or a little too over-seasoned or processed. And when you taste that, if you listen to your body, when you hear it say, I don't like this, I don't like this feeling or the way it tastes, that's how you know you're on the path to eating well. When you can hold out, when you can say, what does my body crave? Tuning in to your internal guidance system, your gut, your real intuition. But I'm pretty sure some of you also hear the voice that says, well, my body wants some freaking ice cream and my body wants that ribeye with french fries and dessert afterwards. And also my body is craving a double espresso with chocolate brioche. It's a different voice. There's a voice that's a healthy craving that feels like something's missing for your body and you're tuned in and it says, oh, I've just got to sing my teeth into something that's got this ingredient or that ingredient that's following your guidance and then there's the ugh, you've had a stressful day you're irritable you're just craving a glass of wine or some sugar you're calling out for something to satisfy this irritability or this daily addiction or you're used to having it smoking it or eating it so you just do it there's a big difference to how that feels and registers in your own body and i invite you to find out what that is all right what do we have next there are also things you can do like having blood work done, blood tests, genealogy. You go see a kinesiologist, you could have allergy tests done. 
and you could really find out how your body responds and you'll see the scientific proof right there in your lab work. One of my favorite cities in the world is Tallinn, Estonia. There was a girl who had taken one of my courses and she took me to a place where I was able to have some blood work done. When I got the results, it was fascinating because it came with this great printout of almost traffic light results. So red, don't eat this, stay away from it, yellow in moderation or avoid it for now. And then green, totally okay for your blood type. And then it covered across the board, meat, dairy, nuts, seeds, proteins, fruits, vegetables, grains, what worked and what didn't. Now, what was really interesting about all of this is many of the foods that I wasn't supposed to be eating based on my blood work, I wasn't eating already and I didn't like already. So it was a great indicator to tell me I was on the right path. I told you earlier what constitutes my diet, which pretty much looks similar to a Paleolithic diet, though I had never intended it to be that way. My preference is to eat gluten, corn, soy, dairy, and sugar-free as often as possible, but I'll try to give it a little more color. Some days I'm happy to eat vegan and vegetarian. Other days I have a strong craving for meat, but I really do personally struggle with the way our factory farming system works in the U.S. and the treatment of animals. I have a very challenging time with that. I am always working to purchase things like farm-raised beef or grass-fed beef and the like, though of course still I hear things that even that isn't enough. But I'm doing my personal best to eat as close to a humane and healthy diet as possible while maintaining what my body needs to feel its best. When it comes to sweeteners, certainly sugar does get in my diet and I'm a big fan of succulent fruits and stone fruit, summer fruits, that sort of thing. And I obviously avoid other sweeteners like high fructose corn syrup and other sweeteners that aren't immediately obvious like agave syrup, which is almost the number one substitute for a lot of vegan food. I find that to be too sweet and affect my taste buds too strongly. I also try to purchase food that doesn't have sugar listed as one of its main ingredients or any ingredient at all. And I especially try to avoid foods that will say, cane sugar, honey, maple syrup, high fructose corn syrup, you'll see a whole string of sweeteners in them before the fifth ingredient is listed. I do find myself sometimes eating coconut sugar. One of my favorite snacks are those dang coconut crisps, those darn coconut crisps, that uh, are made with simply coconut sugar, salt, and coconut meat, and so it tastes like a salted caramel dessert. I do have my own weaknesses, however, and there is this extremely sinful, sinister woman who comes to all of the farmer's markets in San Diego. She's known as the gluten-free pastry chef. She does gluten-free ketogenic sweets and substitutes everything with ingredients that are healthy and friendly for paleo and ketogenic diets. This woman is coming through with key lime pie, lemon bars, half-baked chocolate stuff, blondies, brownies, marshmallows, coconut, chewy, ooey, gooey, caramel treats, turnovers, lemon meringue, bananas, on and on and on. Things with berries. It's just ridiculous. But the point is, and why I go through the trouble to share that, is we now have food that exists that are incredible substitutions for other foods that we've eliminated out of our diet, even if these are indulgences at first. And then, almost by default, I don't really ever have cravings for alcohol, Red Bull, and coffee. For instance, I've never had an entire cup of coffee in my life, which sounds a little nuts from someone who's lived in Italy. It just does not occur to me. There's no craving. There's no addiction. There's no need for it every morning. I share that with you to let you know that I get my day started just fine without these substances. I wake up and I feel fine. I can wake up early and feel great without the need for coffee. 
interestingly with alcohol because it's so prevalent with everybody most people ask me well are you in AA and the answer is no I don't have any history of addiction or alcohol abuse I just truly and authentically never crave it why is that important because 99% of the time when anybody goes out in the evening or goes to a social event or a comedy club or a stadium or anywhere that involves being social with others what are people usually doing drinking there's a huge social pressure to do so. I just want to share with you that it's possible to not be peer pressured into drinking, to not crave alcohol, and to not feel like you need a drink to be okay, to be cool, to relax, to let go, to let your nerves settle down. For me, I have other substitutes for that, like walking on the beach or walks anywhere, frankly, some deep breathing, taking a class, going dancing. All of those things can bring me back into balance. I'm not suggesting that my lifestyle or my ability to be healthy is any better than yours. But I want to share with you that through this type of experimentation and taking your own health into your hands, you get to this place where you just don't crave it because your body doesn't need it. And you also get the gift of your body responding quickly to what you feed it. What does it come down to? A sexy diet to me comes down to loving yourself, respecting and nourishing yourself. It's one that makes you vibrant from the inside and out. It's a way of eating where when you're stressed or hurt or feeling anxiety or upset that you don't eat worse and you don't treat yourself worse, that you constantly are treating your body well regardless of how you're feeling. It's also being careful with how many cleanses and detoxes you do. Some people are on a lifetime detox and feel like it's never enough, that they always are cleaning things out and they always need to be on some sort of cleanse. To that I ask, are you just never healed? Is there no end to your pain? Are you always going to be in a constant state of healing? Believe me, I've gone down the road of all of these cleanses and detoxes myself. I get it. There's no end to the amount of cleansing and detoxing that you can do. All right, my next recommendation is eating until you're satiated, not stuffed. And you can do that by eating slower, chewing slower, and spending the time that you're eating doing only that, not watching TV or a show, not being on your phone, not talking excitedly, but just enjoying your time with food. And with that, I want to add one final thoughtful piece of advice when it comes to food and any subject really, and that's which side of the subject in question are you focused on predominantly? You see, every subject, that which is wanted and that which is not wanted, and whichever one you're focused on is what you're getting more of. When you're focused on what you want, we tend to get more of what we want. When you focus on the lack of it, the absence of it, what's wrong with it, why it isn't working, why it hasn't come to me yet, why I haven't dropped the pounds, why I haven't put on muscle, then it tends to stay away. This is especially true when it comes to healing. Sometimes we can't get the thought out of our head about what we need next for our healing or our next phase of it, or that you even need a healing to begin with, or that you've been working through healing and you've been healing for 15 years, maybe you can start to see a pattern that is keeping you focused on the absence of wellness and where a problem lies. And this is really tricky because I love healing. I believe in it. I believe in healing treatments and I believe in healing centers and I believe in natural forms of medicine and all forms of healing. It's wonderful. It's powerful. But sometimes we get stuck on the healing path that never ends. As people, we never are perfect and we never complete our process with anything really. It's always a state of becoming and evolving. And it's sometimes very easy to get confused with 
this constantly changing life of ours as needing to be healed or constantly detoxing from past traumas, past histories, past events. I don't want to minimize anyone who has gone through a trauma and who has a great form of healing in place for them, but just something to keep aware of in your mind, like when was the last time that you stopped healing or stopped focusing on healing and focused on what's working on your wellness and your health? What's giving you pleasure? What's right in your life? If this hand hurts, can you focus on your other hand, which doesn't hurt? If this leg hurts, can you focus on your other leg, which doesn't? This is a really, really difficult practice. Realizing just how much things are working, what is working and feeling good, and what's right in your body, I find to be one of the most powerful forms of healing. And we can tie that right into diet. What are the things that we do love that make us feel vibrant, that are simple and easy to eat on a daily basis, that really make us thrive. I know how life goes. Sometimes it feels like as soon as you heal from one thing or you take care of one thing, another issue, problem, or incident comes up that needs your attention. Oh, you just healed from one type of injury, suddenly now someone gets sick and then they're dealing with a food allergy and then they have something go wrong emotionally. And life can be like that sometimes. It takes a certain level of vigilance to stay focused, not just being focused on the positive, but activating the feeling of what's working in your life. What would a rampage of appreciation sound like? Maybe it would start with noticing just how good your thighs feel, how your heart is pumping blood, how you smiled today, how you went the whole day without feeling any pain, how your hair is growing, how you're able to breathe and walk and sit and relax and play and maybe run and maybe even if you're lucky flip and dance and sing how there's nothing wrong with your big toe how your whole hand is feeling just fine today how your hair came out great how you love the way you dress today you love the way you feel the fresh air that you breathe the different qualities of air when you're near an ocean or some mountains your ability to chew and consume food and have your body know what to do with it your ability to eliminate without issue your ability to have all of your bodily functions work without you giving any thought to it, that you're able to see in color, that you can open your shoulders and roll them back and broaden your chest and feel the sense of expansiveness, that you can lay off the edge of your bed or on an exercise ball and get a nice juicy back bend and open your heart and chest, that you have so much choice when it comes to food, getting a good night's sleep, how nice it feels to relax or be cozy or bundled up, how good the summer feels when you're outside in the fresh air and maybe at the beach and frolicking in the water. There are so many ways to appreciate how good it feels to be alive and well, even amidst something not being well in your body, but you shift your attention. This to me is one of the most powerful forms of healing. I've found doing this to be immeasurably more helpful than focusing on what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. I started off talking in this podcast about if we paid half the attention to what we think about ourselves, about others, how we judge ourselves and what we think about our food choices, that we'd be in a much better place. The way we love or shame each other, the words that come out of our mouths, the energy, the way we present it to the world, we would be in such a different place of vibrance if we gave more attention to our thinking and put effort into shifting it to a place that feels better when we think about it. We're so obsessed with food, 
and diet. And frankly, I'm 100% sure that managing what you eat is not the key exclusively to how you feel emotionally. Yes, if you eat crap and garbage all the time, sure, garbage in, garbage out. But it'll be well worth your time to look at your thoughts, your energy, your vibration, your vibe, however you want to call that vibrational countenance. But give it some fine-tuning because it plays an equal part in helping you feel fantastic. So we took an interesting detour along the way, veering slightly from sex and intimacy and dating and how to pleasure our partners. But I do think food, in terms of how it makes us shine, plays an important part in our attraction to one another. It's become as important to some people as religious beliefs or as your political stance. I've also found there are two types of people when it comes to eating. People who are easygoing and can respect each other's eating decisions. Someone who can be a vegan and not be concerned if their partner is eating baby back ribs and someone who can be a complete carnivore and extremely supportive of veganism or trying veganism if that's what's important to their partner. Now, the other type of person who you've probably met before is a bit of a fanatic. They want to control every facet of their life the way they eat, and even the way you eat, and even the way the rest of the world eats. And I find that to be pretty much toxic for anyone involved, because it gets messy. I had a girlfriend once who enjoyed teasing me about the way I ate, so then I would tease her about her diet, and it was really fun and playful in the beginning. In the teasing and playfulness, it helped us let go of our seriousness. But at some point, it just got too serious. Both of us started to feel like any comment we made was somehow slighting the other person or controlling their eating habits or choices, and neither of us wanted to feel that way. You really want to be able to feel with your own body that you can put whatever you want into it, and I could even feel that sometimes people make choices just to spite the other person. But the fact of the matter is, no one really, really knows what's best for anyone else other than themselves. And in fact, you're lucky if you know what's best for yourself. So while we're talking about softening and being a little more easygoing about things, just because you think that you know what the latest research is showing, what the latest news is telling you, what the newest fad is, what the greatest new superfood is that we're supposed to be eating. In one or two or three, five, ten years, the research completely shifts over. It shows that these studies were funded by the dairy industry or the meat industry or some new scientific breakthrough has come to light. So it really doesn't serve to put so much energy on what the data is showing. When I was in college, Everybody was gorging themselves with tofu. This was the most natural substitute for anyone who wanted to become a vegetarian or vegan. What do they warn us about now? Oh, no man should touch tofu. It's full of estrogens. Very bad for us. And yet, 10, 20 years ago, this was all the rage for sustaining health. And yes, I understand that we have whole populations of people who are sustaining themselves off of soy and rice. But every few years, the data, the information, the scientific facts gets turned on its head and gets proved against itself. Remember when goji berries came out from the Himalayas and it was the superfood of the century and had all these antioxidant powers, had healing powers. And now, as I understand, it's part of the nightshade family. Some people don't respond to it at well. They're full of sugar. So sometimes it's important to just give yourself a break, give yourself some leeway and to not be so obsessed. Honor your choices, respect your choices and ask that other people do the same. But in your application of it in the way you go about hunting for it. If you're not feeling well while you're doing it, you're not really doing your body that much good either. And there's also something I want to leave here for a very particular personality type, and you'll know who you are immediately. It's if you're the kind of person who only takes action and who only will choose to believe in something 
if it's been scientifically proven that papers have been written and research has been conducted that insist that what you're about to eat is good for you. And if all of the previous information that I shared wasn't enough, I invite you to reflect. Do you know better or does the scientific data know better? What's better for you? How do you feel when you eat it? If you feel terrible, absolutely sick to your stomach about eating broccoli, but the scientific data shows that it's the most healthy ingredient on the planet, should you still eat it? I hope you make the right choice. Because as you've seen throughout this whole episode, there's been no forcing here, no pressure, no insisting that you eat one or the other ingredients. It's been about your personal journey and your exploration to discover what's best. And you can't do it over a day or a week or a month. This entire podcast has been about making you feel vibrant, which by the way, is a very sexy quality, especially to women, because you're doing what? You're being decisive, you're taking the reins, you're regaining control of your own life again, and you want to do what's best for yourself and those around you. And that's very sexually attractive, my friends. It's all about making choices that make your body feel better, not just your brain. It's like, would you rather be right or would you rather feel better? And that's what it's all about. I want to remind you to be easy about all of this. You know, after decades and decades of trying different foods from all over the world, whether it's herbs, spices, extracts, superfoods, elixirs, tonics, drinks, etc., everything under the sun, I can clearly say that I've never in my life come across one food item that has made me instantly thrive or have some incredible health benefit right off the bat or even months into using it it's always much more subtle what i find is that i thrive when i eat really close to nature i feel really good i feel light i don't like the feeling of being heavy and sometimes wellness just feels just right it doesn't feel like this boundless energy and leaping with joy and your energy is through the roof and you just don't know what to do with yourself sometimes for us it just feels good or great, or normal, and not all of those nasty adjectives I mentioned in the beginning, sluggish and slow and weighed down and that sort of thing. So to me, good eating is more about maintaining a state of wellness, not ecstasy and not over-the-top bliss, not just physically, but mentally as well. That's what food has the potential to do when it hurts you, is it has the ability to make you feel lousy, and nourishing food tends to just make you feel good. It's not a specific diet. It's not someone telling you what you need to do and should do and how many calories you need to be burning. And I hope you'll find value in that as you combine it with some of the other wisdom that you've learned about yourself over the years. What does the next chapter of diet look like for me? Well, after all of my research, visiting doctors, and hearing what everyone has to say, I might be exploring what a ketogenic diet looks like. The way I want to approach it is not being in a state of ketosis all the time, but just balancing and managing myself most of the time, using my body as an indicator to tell me how it feels along the way. And we'll see if that's the path that catapults me into the next several years or several months or maybe for many years to come. And that, my friends, wraps up yet another much longer than expected episode on closeness. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this immensely. You can learn more about the closeness lifestyle and movement by visiting getcloseness.com. If you've been touched by what you've heard here today, 
or if the closeness podcast has inspired you to make a positive change in your life please consider contributing to our patreon at patreon.com forward slash closeness if listening has inspired you to get your own questions answered on an upcoming episode or if you'd like personal or couples coaching you can find what you're looking for on any of the closeness websites all of these links can be found in the description until next time stay close